You're listening to The Lit Lounge, a podcast for readers and book lovers. Join us, a group of friends, English teachers and bookworms, as we chat about our love of all things literary and share our reading habits. Everybody, welcome back to the Lit Lounge. Yay! It's just Rose and I. Not that that's a bad thing, but <laughs> it's um, a very intimate little date for us, Laura. <laughs> Cozy chat today. <laughs> Beth is currently um, on her way to the International Space Station with Tom Cruise <laughs> as they film a new film uh, with even better special effects, apparently. Yeah, so, got her space visa and <laughs> heading yeah. off to the stars. <laughs> So you'll see her in cinema soon. Um, so yeah, so uh, this month is Black History Month from the 1st to 31st of October. Um, really important month just to talk, celebrate diversity and to, um, for us, thinking about writers from diverse backgrounds with different lived experiences. Um, and that's what we really wanted to focus on this um, episode of the podcast today. Yeah. Which isn't focused on enough, I think, we'll find. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> like, I, I know that, like, when I think about the literature that I've read, mm. I like to think that I have read a diverse range, but actually going back and looking through, like, my Goodreads and looking through the books that I've read, it probably isn't as diverse as I would like it to be. Yeah, and and that I don't think that's always our fault. You know, obviously you can seek out lots of different mm. uh types of cultural backgrounds and different races that um different racial authors but i think often the books that we see and that are really kind of uh limelighted mm. oh weird limelighted <laughs> sounded really wrong to me then when i said it i was like imagining a lime and a light i was like that's not right but it is right limelighted Lime, in yeah. the limelight you can in be the in the lim- limelight in the limelight yeah okay rather than past thrust, tense limes thrust into the limelight <laughs> yeah. yeah so the ones thrust into the limelight are normally um you know just very mainstream white centric mm. yeah. um yeah worldviews aren't they those those kind of yeah. characters and those uh, authors yeah especially like as english teachers i think in the books that we are um we are taught at university yeah they're very white male centric aren't they mm, like they in, in. In, yeah in my degree we had one module of black literature mm. and it, it is that enough anymore yeah is that to tick a box or is that actually mm. to change the narrative and like it was it, i i really enjoyed that module and it yeah. really opened me up to different literature but um definitely not enough yeah definitely when it's one module out of god how many do you do in uni We've seen the boat turning very slowly, mm. haven't we? I think so, uh, specifically since BLM movement and, mm. and um, kind of a lot of discussion around curriculum, yeah. um, particularly for us as a department as well, we've yeah. been quite focused on trying to kind of focus a little bit on the, that kind of idea. So like mm. we teach noughts and crosses now with yep. um our year eight don't we with Mallory Blackman yeah um which not only has ideas of race in it but is written from a black perspective yeah um yeah and and obviously we've changed to I know where the cage bird sings instead of mice and men and there's been lots of talk and chatter around other schools mm. in the same kind of way yep. and I think that's really important to keep evolving and keep updating the things that you're introducing students to because otherwise, how how do you change like yeah 
mindsets and and kind of uh centering yeah absolutely and these books as well you know it's not again it's not like a novelty thing that we've changed these we want to change the narrative but also they're amazing books like, yeah i know why the cage bird sings is so well written my angel is just like a tour de force isn't she yeah she is she's really inspirational as Hansa, isn't she and a person yeah absolutely love her so um so i if you don't mind laura i'll start us off i i um i've been reading um renny edo lodges uh i why i'm no longer talking to white people about race um I had to really think about that then because we it was I know why the cage bird sings and why I'm no lots of like different Some kind titles. of really similar sounding <laughs> titles yeah um and uh I'm about three quarters of the way through of it mm-hmm. at the moment so I haven't quite finished it um but there's been some really challenging and interesting uh and enlightening things I think for us and it's always difficult isn't it discussing race and yeah. uh and and kind of broaching that subject and and I think it's really important that you have to be open to your own flaws and you have to be open to your own prejudices and your own difficulties and lack of learning and things that you have to unpick Mm -hmm. um one of the things I've found quite challenging for myself in in the book um and I'll talk about a bit more like broadly about what it's about in a minute um but one of the chapters is specifically kind of uh resting um amongst the idea of like whitewashing in feminism um and how a lot of uh black women who are who consider themselves feminists feel like it can be a really difficult space to uh discuss the double discrimination of being both black and yeah. uh being a woman mm-hmm. um in the world um and for me that's something i'd never really considered and i think maybe a lot of white people are really guilty of doing that like that yeah kind of sheltered view of the default position always being white and uh the difficulties that must arise with never seeing very many kind of uh role models to look up to in the media or characters that you can relate to in the same way um and just the ease of kind of white privilege um that I certainly wasn't aware enough of until I kind of started reading into it in lockdown Mm -hmm. and was made, like so many other people, I think, like made to listen and made to sit up and and take attention. Yeah. Um, So for me, like that's that's been really interesting, like the idea of like feminism, because I think of, for me, like the feminist klaxon, like I'm always like, (laughs) oh, feminists are the good guys. (laughs) Like they're fighting the good fight. Like I'm on the right side because I'm a feminist. I believe in equality. Mm. And... And yet there is this kind of um, ring fence, I think, in the community and in social change communities um, that perhaps like just a lack of understanding of the importance of discussing yeah. race within those within those lines as well. Yeah, there's a bit of a hierarchy, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. I've heard this, I've seen a lot on like Twitter and online and things about sort of hierarchies within feminism and sort of... Um, arguments between in, in that as well where there's a lot of denial from white feminists yeah. about that hierarchy yes um a lot of refusal to just sit up and listen and to say like if you're a feminist then surely you have to listen to to black women who are saying that they're suffering even more again like yeah we're all fighting the same fight just yeah. because we're at different levels that 
that shouldn't be something then that we need to just shy away from. Yeah, she uh, Eddie Lodge talks a lot about intersectionality as well, which is something that I'd heard but hadn't necessarily always understood. And, mm-hmm. and my understanding is that it's kind of about realising that you're all on that same team as well and that you might have certain privileges that other people who are fighting for the same thing as you mm-hmm. don't have. And you it, you can't just be like, well, no, you're just a woman, so like you, you don't get extra like help. Yeah because you're black like you kind of have to see that there are shades aren't there yeah yeah um so that's been really like interesting I've really found that a lot of food for thought in my own kind of thinking about who I am um but as a whole the book is really interesting um because it's it's set predominantly in Britain um she kind of mentions like America but I don't think that we have enough teaching about British like racism uh historically Um, I don't know I don't really I can't be if I hold my hands up honestly like I definitely know way less about our British uh, historic racism than America civil rights Um, yeah and she yeah she kind of details it very briefly like in one Mm. chapter Mm. there's a timeline of different events um, which was really interesting to me Um, and she talks a a little bit not about um, it's not Colston there's another statue um, which, oh, I can't remember where it, where it was now, but a similar thing to the Colston statue in Bristol, mm. where these um, people sort of realised, like, oh, he was, the, the statue, the person the statue's made of was involved in uh, slavery and uh, was really racist in, in way back when, and therefore they, they petitioned and they wanted to get, get rid of him. They were university students. They did not feel like uh, hailing... And, uh, you know, kind of worshipping mm. in statue form, this man was relevant anymore. And, and and a lot of people's answer to that was, oh, well, you're just trying to eradicate history. You're trying to pretend like those that yeah. that person never did those great things then. Um, and Edo Lodge talks about how that's, no, that's not the point. The point was we're, we're still heralding her, her, them and, and kind yeah. of making them... F- Idolising. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and having them on a statue is exactly that it's idolizing and it's ignoring as well isn't it like the people that say i i understand the idea if we can't hide from history that by saying getting rid of a statue um is wrong then you are still hiding from history because you're not dealing with that question of that person was problematic and it I, I just find it crazy that people get so upset over a statue. Yeah. Like, isn't that strange statue, that people yeah. get so upset? <laughs> like, okay, if the statue's there or not, like, does that really... How many do you take notice of statues? Yeah. Walking down the street, really. <laughs> like, I couldn't tell you what statues are in Cardiff City Centre, and I lived there for a number of years. Although, actually, relevantly, they have um, they have that new statue now, don't they, of the, uh, the high school teacher. Yeah, that's um, a lovely statue. Yeah. I have actually seen that. Um, yeah, that is <laughs> noticeable. um so yeah I don't know there was just lot there's just lots of little like kind of historical anecdotes and moments that she unpicks um and kind of talks about from a standpoint of um just a cynical kind of standpoint and I know that the the book's title might sound quite aggressive Mm -hmm. um it was based on a blog that she wrote that got lots of attention um and so she wrote the book in 2014 but it's, it didn't feel like that to me. And I think if you're open to listening to, uh, you know, bl- black uh, viewpoints, mm. then it shouldn't, you shouldn't be feeling like, you know, upset by that. I think that it's a valid 
position to come from like why is she so frustrated about yeah having these conversations having to educate people when they don't want to learn and we're teachers we know how hard that can be yeah and yeah. how exhausting and draining <laughs> that is on the resources um but yeah just the kind of um I was well aware of like uh structural racism and how that's still uh an issue but this just really uh, has opened my eyes to a few corners of that that I've not really mm-hmm. in, uh, engaged with. She talks a little bit about um, uh, Hermione Granger and how it, it oh, was so Harry yeah wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> how um, it was so controversial to people that Hermione Granger would be a black character on oh, a cursed yeah. child. Yeah, in the in the play, um, and she was like, "That's because even now we still don't read." Um, black people as intelligent and resourceful Mm. and higher class you know like there's just not that and our default I think as well is is that we picture them white like a lot as well like Ryan Granger I I don't know if his skin color is even mentioned in the description but it's like she says that there's like one line that people really held on to that said her like something like her face was uh, white with fear, but mm. I mean that's a even that's then adjective. it's an idiom, yeah. yeah, that you could use for any kind of uh, color. So yeah, I don't, and and it, in fact, J.K. Rowling came out and said, well, they, they were never written as coloured characters. Like yeah. we don't, I'm not ascribing them to a color. Yeah, yeah. So on the back of that then obviously Um, you're allowed to play with that yeah and it's fiction as well if it's an interpretation of a character it's the same with James Bond like they were so Idris Elba yeah yeah and and female James Bond like it's always there's always that sort of animosity about it but it's it's a fictional character this person does not exist absolutely (laughs) so So feel free to interpret that's the beauty of art and and movie is art right yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to read you a little little bit on the back of um, Hermione Granger and, and just what um, Ed, Edo Lodge says about, um, about that. Um, so here we go. Um, she says, Far from destroying our most well-loved works of fiction, abandoning assumptions of the whiteness of our characters infinitely expands all of the fictional universes, whether it be the Wizarding World or the Star Wars galaxy. Um, so like that to me like makes so much sense like we only open our worldview and we only broaden our understanding of experiences and empathy Mm. if we allow ourselves to reimagine characters or to play with race Um, and I just think it's really important like reading things like this break down those assumptions and break down those kind of uh closed-minded kind of and very natural we're all we can be very closed-minded people all of us we like our ways we like our yeah our comfort we like our Mm. our methods and our understandings it's hard to to challenge your understanding of the world isn't it but I think books like this are so important like to delve into and yeah and and that and that's the reason why people don't want to read isn't it because it is uncomfortable and it's meant to be uncomfortable yeah people find rather than um face that discomfort they just hide away from it and then that anger sort of springs out of that because they can't can't defensiveness challenge yeah absolutely Um, And, and they always you know, like I read a, a similar book um, called White Rage and they're not, like, I think people think it's going to be all, like, your problem because <laughs> you're... Um, Hate. You're white or whatever. But yeah. it's not. It's, if you're reading that book and if you've got the interest 
even just to read the back cover yeah. and you're already starting to think outside the box and start making that change. So the book, there is an anger and frustration in these kind of books, but like, as we said, rightly, but it's not directed just specifically at you as the reader, which mm-hmm. is, I think, what some people think that they're going to be confronted. Yeah. Um, it's about the systems in place and, and the people that that don't don't want it to change yeah yeah the people that refuse to engage there's there's a whole chapter that um that extract is from that it was all about um uh, fear of a black a black world and how Mm. a lot of people's kind of um arguments is that black people are taking over and by 2066 there'll be like white people will be a minority (laughs) that's like to do with the uh, some of the the census kind of data um and she kind of she just uh, she unpicks that and talks about why that that's uh that fear is so damaging to yeah. change and progress mm-hmm. um so yeah it i've i've been really enjoying it and i think if you're somebody who you know is interested in activism or politics or just making the world a better place then it's it's a mm-hmm. book that you should pick up you don't have to read it from cover to cover, like because it is it is difficult. Yeah. Um, but I think, like you know, just delving in here and there, and maybe asking yourself how 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 am I how am I um, standing up against things I feel that are unfair? Mm-hmm. Am I just being quiet and like allowing it to happen in front of me? Um, yeah, they're important questions to ask, aren't they, about mm. ourselves? And I think if you're not one of those people. Uh, of all those things you said of activism and mm-hmm. wanting to make the world a better place then you you should be questioning why you're not and yeah. then read the book anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i think you'd really like white rage okay um, this is not my book that i'm going to talk about but gonna shoehorn it in yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. relevant <laughs> it, it's very similar but um she was like a washington post I think she's a washington post um journalist and she coined the term white rage and she goes through like all of American history from slavery to Trump mm. talking about um so every time there's been some sort of gain for equality racially, yeah. white people fight back against that. Yeah. And absolutely. that's white rage. And yeah. um and then she just talks about examples and there are just so many examples. It this is specifically American history because she's American, but mm-hmm. I imagine this a lot similar in yeah. in Britain as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's that feeling, isn't there? That pushback of like, what's the? There's a quote, isn't there? That's something like, um, if you've never experienced, um, is it injustice or, or oppression? Then fairness, equality, feels like that to you, mm. so, because you don't, you don't yeah. recognize. You just feel like it's your rights being taken away because other people, you're scared. Other people are being given rights that you have. Yeah, and taking them uh, off you and giving yeah, them to someone else. As though there's a finite. Yeah, amount of like privilege to go around like really what we want to be doing like an ideal world if you ask any primary school student or toddler what we want is everybody to be fair yeah yeah. and I think yeah often it's white people who feel very safe and they have very you know privileged upbringing and and view of the world and and they're very very fearful of that being taken from them and and Mm and being treated like a minority and if there's nothing wrong like really it's so contradictory because a lot of those people say well they're not a minority anymore they're not they're not being treated badly and yet they're so scared to be become the minority Mm -hmm. 
yeah it's 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 really interesting really yeah. interesting to look at that's a really powerful book yeah definitely it's really made me sort of sit up and and think about my behaviors and and thoughts mm. um and I thought I was fairly you know I thought I was a nice person <laughs> but I'm just very white right <laughs> uh, there's always more isn't there like yeah you, you think you know like when I like going back to that module in uni of that one unit of black literature I left there thinking like yeah. oh, I'm so knowledgeable about <laughs> yeah. diversity yeah, yeah, and yeah. discrimination Pat on the back I'm such yeah. a good person I and, know all about black experience now yeah <laughs> and it's it's such a it's just like the tip of an iceberg isn't yeah. it there's so much more to learn and like I love the fact that there's so much more being written and that is changing yeah um because we get you know you get to experience and, and learn about that's how you learn about yourself is about learning about others experiences as well so, absolutely absolutely yeah. yeah it's great it's very it's kind of very accessible as well like um mm. so yeah i'd recommend it for sure yeah i'm gonna put that on my tbr <laughs> might be, i might have that as my next audiobook okay cool <laughs> um so the book that i am going to talk about i'm currently reading as well so i've gone for something slightly different i've gone for a fictional book um mm-hmm. which we might we were trying to work out whether we mentioned it on here before so if i have if we have mentioned it i think it's been mentioned in passing i don't i don't know that we've actually had a deep well you can have a bit more of it now yeah chuck it this way <laughs> so i'm going to talk about a thousand splendid sons by khaled uh Hosseini, um which has just like honestly i think it might be my book of the year like it's mm. been such a powerful book to i'm listening to the audiobook and sometimes when i listen to audiobooks you know it's it's quite easy to sort of zone out for a little bit yeah and then zone back in and you're like oh my god what's just happened yeah but i have not done that at all with this book i am totally hooked by it oh wow um so um it's about it's about two women uh mariam and lila who are two Af- afghani women um well they they start off as two afghani children and they end their lives become intertwined through um basically through control by by men and through the regime um in afghanistan um so mariam is a uh starts off at 15 and she's a young girl growing up in afghanistan with her mum and um her father is has got another wife and he comes in and sees her very infrequently and then when like she suffers a personal tragedy and she has to find somewhere else to live her father marries her off to um another man called uh, Rashid mm-hmm. um who is 30 years older than her and um he's very abusive and very violent and he wants her as his property basically and she gets no choice in it at all yeah so the first part of the book um we follow her story um up through uh her like growing up in this house with him whilst the soviet union invade afghanistan mm. so she's living in um a world of oppression from her husband she's got no she he moves her like right the way across the country to Kabul where she has no family members Mm. and he and she's got this war raging around her as well um and then the second part of the book cuts to Lila who is um we see her story is very different and she grows up in a much more um uh, loving household um until 
tragedy hits her family as well. Mm. She ends up living with Rashid and Mariam, and she ends up marrying Rashid as well. Um, and and then the story just like at first, Mariam is really sort of hateful to um, Lila because she feels she's stolen her husband, and that's the only thing that she's got to latch onto in her life. Yeah. She can't work. She doesn't have any friends. Doesn't have any family. So all she's got is this abusive husband. Um, until Lila comes and then marries him and now she hasn't even got that anymore. Mm. So at first they sort of hate, she hates her and she treats her really poorly until their relationship starts to build and together they become like their own family. Nice. Against Rashid. Um, and, and it sort of tran- it trans- tra- traverses like a number of decades. It starts off in the 60s with Mariam as a child and then ends up like where I am now, we're in like 1997 which is when the Taliban come to uh, Afghanistan. Epic, like, kind of journey then. Totally epic. And the whole thing, it, like, there's just no respite at all. You know, when the Soviets leave, like, they think it's going to be so much better, but it just paves the way for the Taliban to come in, mm. who then impose even stricter rules. Like, they then can't watch. They're not allowed to have a television. They're not allowed to... They, everyone um, has to wear... All women have to wear uh, a burqa, like, without any choice in that. And, um, like, they're not allowed to, to read books. They're not allowed to, to do anything, basically. Yeah. That they won't listen to music. They're not allowed to sing anymore. It's very, very regimented there. Yeah. So um, it's just, like, constant. The whole book, like, the amount of times that I've turned my audiobook off and just cried Aww. because of how difficult it is for them. Um. And it's real, you know, it's fiction, but it's real. Everything in there happened. And this story could be any young girl's story. It feels really relevant as well when when you're seeing on the news so much about uh, Mas Amini and Iran and the kind of protests of women there. Like, clearly, like, some you know something is wrong there in in that system of things. Like, it needs to be a woman's choice. She needs to have some... Uh, decision over her life and over what she wears and what she does with her body. Yeah. Um, so it feels like a really important book to kind of read if if yeah. people are wondering what's going on in, in Iran. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, uh, the start of this year, the Taliban, America pulled out of Afghanistan and the Taliban have gone back yeah, in. Yeah, of course. So it's just a complete repeat of what happened in the 90s. They yeah, now same mistakes. Yeah, it, it is. It's the same mistakes. Yeah. And, and it just doesn't seem to be changing. It doesn't yeah. seem to be getting any better. And it's just, it is a truly tragic tale <laughs> like yeah. I, I again like um why I'm no longer talking to white people about race uh-huh. it's an important book so I know yeah. I might not have sold it to you by saying that I'm sitting at home you're crying, gonna cry <laughs> but you need to listen to it I think to to hear or read it sorry to to hear someone else's lived experience just, you just need to sandwich books like this in between mm. some really happy yeah easygoing holiday reads really don't you yeah definitely like i just finished a stephen king and dracula uh, which, something fantasy yeah yeah something a bit of... escapist to go <laughs> yeah. on to something like this which is hard hitting a bit of biff and kip <laughs> yeah like really simple <laughs> um, the big red dog and then yeah. back to <laughs> yeah then back to thousand splendid one. sons yeah but um yeah like i think i think it tackles so many issues not just about um 
gender, but about war, mm. about the impact of um, the impact that ever that we all have. Like like I was saying about Afghanistan now, that is yeah. a lot of that impact comes from the West and America going in and then America pulling back out. So yeah. you know it's it's all intertwined and it, it tells a, it just weaves a really interesting political and historical um viewpoint of the world yeah and um husseini is a really beautiful writer as well like i've read the kite runner yeah and his it's him is it? yeah. yeah he like writes with such kind of uh tenderness the way that, that, that he expresses things there's a lot of imagery in there that brings it to life yeah um and it's just it's worded so carefully isn't it his writing yeah like lilo there's a when she before she marries rashid she um has like a dalliance with another boy who's her own age and she falls in love with him Aww. and it's written so beautifully Aww. like really playful which is lovely because you sort of finish reading about mariam and just for the time being while she's introduced and you're like heartbroken and devastated. <laughs> so you get this lovely sort of number of chapters then where she builds this relationship with him mm. before you're taken right back into the awfulness. The clutches again. of despair. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it sounds really good. I definitely, it's been on my list for a long time. I think, I was thinking while you were talking about it that maybe when Rachel was back on the podcast, when she brought mm. uh, her son in, yeah. I think she mentioned it and talked about it then. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, I really got to read this. I got to get on it. And I still yeah. really have to read it and really have to get on with, on there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that's going up to the top of uh, the yeah. list. And like, I'm definitely, probably not next. Might have my Clifford the Big Red Dog next. Yeah. But I definitely will need to read The Kite Runner as well peter and jane wasn't it peter, peter and jane <laughs> yeah <laughs> peter has a big red ball <laughs> you're like ah oh, this is nice <laughs> this is lovely just easy i might read megan mog yeah. that'll do me yeah. <laughs> i bought my niece a book about dinosaurs oh. I'm, I'm all for it picture books yeah that's yeah. that's that's what we need after a really tough going <laughs> couple of reads yeah um yeah like i i just like i love the idea with Khaled Hosseini because I think he grew up in America yeah I think he lived in Afghanistan for a number of years and then moved as uh, as a young person to America so you know I love the fact that he took that took the plunge to sort of tackle that Mm. because that's such a big topic and there's so many cultural like elements tied into that that could be really tough to as an Afghanistan as an Afghani person like to 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 draw that out yeah you know yeah brave really yeah brave kind of writing like I wonder if he got what backlash he got from if he did get any backlash yeah from talking about about these things that were implemented in the country Mm. because the book when I don't know when the book came out um 2007 so after that would be after the Taliban left I guess but Mm. that sounds pretty good yeah yeah, definitely. Um, so we would love to hear from you guys whether you've been reading any uh, diverse authors, uh, any kind of cultural stories that you have never come across before, um, and uh, any interesting kind of uh, diversity that you want us to look at as well. Yeah, any books that you that have been a learning experience for you as well. Mm, like yeah, a few of the books we've talked personal about growth. Have... Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Anything that's changed your mindset. 
Um, yeah, so uh, get in touch. Uh, might want to have a little look at the poll and the questions uh, with our podcasts. Um, and definitely do feel free free to follow us. That was hard with lots of Fs. <laughs> free to follow us on uh, uh, Instagram or TikTok. Uh, on Facebook, uh, we are posting quite frequently mm-hmm. and we would love to hear from you about uh, your books and your reading. And also, don't forget, um, cinemas near you at some point, Tom Cruise and Beth <laughs> Yeah. on the ISS. Watch out for the trailer. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be out of this world. <laughs> oh, what a pun in the end there. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. listening to the lit lounge the podcast for readers and book lovers thanks for joining us remember to join in the conversation by following us on social media using the handles linked in our description you can also leave a voice note to be featured in future episodes through the voice response feature on anchor we'll catch you next time but for now keep reading Music used in this episode and for all of our episodes is created by Ixon. You can download this and other fantastic tracks on SoundCloud. Links are in the description. Mm-hmm.